Hello, welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media bias.com. I'm TJ. I'm joined today by Brent. Hello. And Chris. Hey. Uh, we're back on the, the regular schedule for Talkie Talk for our tens of listeners out there. We've synced up our cycles. Yeah. So back to the two like short podcasts a week. Uh, we'll do homework for one and uh, for the other one, which is the one we're recording now, we'll do our watch list and uh, talk about this week's news in movie, TV, and games. Oh, we get to do release, release movie releases, too. Oh, yeah, oh, bring yeah. back movie releases. <clears throat> I was first so resistant because I'm an idiot and didn't understand it, and then when we stopped <laughs> doing it, I stopped knowing when movies came out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll finish up with that, uh, and before that, we'll do Breezy on the Streets. Yeah. There's some, some news this week that's exciting for us, anyway. So, uh, we'll start with watch list. Anybody want to jump in with their watch list? I can go. Do it. Uh, I watched a movie that... Uh, I had watched it last week, but I wasn't ready to talk about it. And uh, But I know you guys have both seen it and talked about it on the podcast. I watched Annihilation. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I thought... I pretty much agreed with you, your, uh, your takes on it, which was that it was uh, visually and, like, uh, sonically excellent. And I don't know what the hell the theme or the plot of the movie really was like I think there's it's certainly it's the kind of movie where you watch it and you're like this movie clearly has a philosophy right I don't know what it is I they did a poor job of explaining their philosophy to me like I'm they clearly have something to say about like grief about loneliness about self-destruction like human tendency to like self-destruct but it was not packaged in a cohesive, coherent manner for me. Yeah, it's it's Jennifer Jason Lee's speech uh, to Natalie Portman when they're out, not like up in the watchtower and the fire tower, but when they're down in like the outpost. Yeah, where she finally starts talking about like self destruction, how everyone is here uh, <clears throat> on that journey of you know mm-hmm. self harm. That is the only to me the only full like drawing out of a theme or a message, but then it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. I mean, maybe it's not supposed to, but... Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I know, TJ, you said you thought some of the acting was awful in the movie. Some. Uh, I, I don't strongly disagree, although I actually really liked uh, Gina Rodriguez in the movie. I thought she was good. She the... Uh, I'm sorry. She, she the, the one that goes bad? Crazy? Yes. Or, okay, yeah. Yeah, I liked her. I thought she was kind of the standout of the group, um, and I like Natalie Portman in it too. Yeah, Natalie Portman was fine. It was mostly it was uh, I thought Jennifer Jason Lee was subpar, um, an actress that I tend to like. Yeah, and also Tessa Thompson was just sort of meh in the movie. Yeah, See, I, yeah, I, I like Tessa Thompson a lot, but she, her character didn't have a lot to do. Right, yeah, it's not necessarily her fault because <clears throat> she's detached and slowly kind of loses her mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the coolest scenes though of the movie. Yeah. yeah, when she walks off, mm-hmm. where she's just got plants growing through her arm. Yeah, you get just <laughs> enough of it to where it looks really cool without like, you know, leaving it up to your imagination. The right. monsters were awesome too. The the mutated beasts inside oh. the shimmer. Yeah. That screaming pig thing is just fucking frightening. The, the pig the bear. bear. Yeah, yeah. That was the coolest mutation in the movie. I thought was the was that. I mean, it's taking rude. the voice of its. Victims, right? Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. I, I, I still love the plants in like the silhouettes of humans. It's really pretty. 
It made yeah. me think of those, um, like you see those, I don't know if they're real or not, but they show the like outlines, the, like the soot and ash outlines yeah. of humans in like uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki right, right. where they're like holding hands. I know some of that's like pop art, right? but that's what that reminded me of, like just the echoes of humans and their impact. I mean, I think there's, there's a strong environmental allegory there of people taking Dominion and slowly depleting it and changing it and manipulating it. And it might not be good for, you know, the host. Yeah. <clears throat> what did you rate it, Brent? Three stars. I gave it three and a half. I was, I was really impressed with the effects. And uh, how did you like the score, by the way? I know Chris and I, or Kelly and I, were big fans of the acoustic score. I thought it was really pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I liked pretty much all technical aspects of the movie. Yeah. It was just mostly the the script and the plot that I wasn't crazy about. Yeah. Um, but it's a, you know I like a movie that that takes risks and it's clearly an ambitious movie. So you know I kind of even if it doesn't work in some respects, I like that more than because at least it it tries something, which I, I like. <clears throat> I remembered uh, I knew there was some news about some sorry I don't mean to call it news some breezy about Gina Rodriguez. She's just recently uh, cast and confirmed as Carmen Sandiego in the Netflix live action series. Fun, yeah. Um, I wonder, I wonder yeah. who that's aimed for. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know because like you, if you go back and watch it, it's it's weird that the old game show. Yeah, I mean, if I was producing it, I would want to aim it toward people our age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I make it kind of dark. It was kind of dark at times anyway, like the game show was even. Yeah, like the, the relationship between like the chief and the detective was like real weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen her also, uh, I, I saw her mentioned in an article and I thought it was a good suggestion, although I think it's unrealistic given Hollywood, but I saw her mentioned as a, have you, have you heard that Indiana Jones might be female in a few years? No. They're, they're considering an, a female Indiana Jones. Just let me know ahead of time so I can delete my Facebook account. <laughs> oh, you think somebody will have a problem with that? Who? <laughs> <laughs> I like on the food time I can do a fadeaway laugh. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, you're stuck there. I know, it's sad. I had to go sideways. Laugh like regular. I also watched, so uh, as you know, I've been watching in alphabetical order movies that have been nominated for Oscars. Yep. And, uh, this movie was a 1988 movie that I had never, had heard of and uh, knew nothing about. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Heard of it. Nominated for four Oscars. It was a box office flop. Yeah. It was a big budget kids movie uh, that was set in like 18th century Europe. <laughs> so that alone is like a bad combination. Yeah, it's odd. Um, Does it have anything to do with like Munchausen syndrome? No, oh. it's just about this like uh, it's sort of like a collection of tall tales all revolving around this character Baron Munchausen, and uh, it's it's a really bizarre movie. It's it's entertaining. It's it's somewhat entertaining. It's boring at times. It's it's not that great, but it's I could see how a kid might have loved this movie in the eighties. What were its nominations? Um, the costumes, visual effects. It's got Eric Idle as, uh, like his, Baron Munchausen's, one of his, like, collection of weird little superheroes. Eric Idle can run super fast. There's a, one guy who can, uh, like, is the world's strongest man. There's a, a dwarf. It's a Terry Gilliam movie. 
And uh, <laughs> so that explains a lot of the weirdness. <laughs> yes. There's a dwarf who can uh, blow really hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then there's like a there's a guy who like has the best like uh, sh- shootist in the world. Shooter. <laughs> It's the name of a TV show. There, well, so is the shooter. <laughs> um, it's the best marksman. There we go. Yeah. The best marksman in the world. And I kept thinking, I'm like, these are just like weird, like 18th century versions of like Suicide Squad characters that I've seen. <laughs> nice. um, but no, it was it was okay. It's one of those movies that has aged poorly. It's just a lot of it's just kind of. Goofy, but I think for kids it would be still be pretty entertaining. Yeah, um, it, it is the first movie that my mom uh, ever walked out of. Oh, really? Yes, nice. I could definitely see that. This is a, it's a yeah. it will, it is a kind of movie that will try your patience. Remembering what I remember from the uh, Mother's Day episode last year too, it does not seem like a movie your mother would enjoy. <laughs> Anything by Terry Gilliam? Fine. Like, well, she likes period pieces, but yeah. kids movies, kids movies. Yeah, no. It is Uma Thurman's first movie. She plays. Oh, nice. She plays, uh, almost everybody in the movie plays, like, uh, like multiple characters. They play, like, the real-life character, sort of, and then the character... Sounds kind of, like, like big fishy. Yes, they play a character within a tall tale of sorts. Okay. So she plays Venus. Um. In real life. Right. <laughs> um. It's also got, uh, Robin Williams as the King of the Moon. And, <laughs> and, uh... But he's oddly not credited as Robin Williams. He's credited as Ray D. Tuto, which is a strange. This is the height of the drug days for Robin Williams. So I also, yeah. I also wonder if it's one of those things. I know that uh, it just it happens a lot in video games so that people wouldn't get poached, but also so that people wouldn't have to have their names attached to something that production companies forced. I wonder if it if he went with a different name to. Because he didn't like the movie. Because that, that's been my legacy after my mom walked out of it, was that Adventures of Baron Munchausen is bad. Right. So. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a it's a really strange movie. I don't think I would recommend it, but. What did you rate that one? A two and a half. There were, there were things that were fun, and then there were just, it was, Boring it was too long. Yeah. Um, and then I watched, uh. Just one more movie. It was a 1994 movie. It got one nomination and it won for Best Costumes. And that was the Australian comedy The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. (laughs) Which is a... uh, I never really knew what this movie was or was about. But it's about two drag queens and one transsexual woman who go take a bus from... Not take a bus. they, They buy and drive a bus from Sydney... To Alice Springs, like so, out the outback. Okay, they're driving across Australia, basically having to interact with uh, like Bible Belt. Types. That's the Bible Belt of Australia. Right. Yeah, and so it is. the 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 transsexual woman is played by um, Terrence Stamp, who's better known for playing like tough guy, British like mob bosses and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, he's really good in the movie. He's nice. he has a lot of like the like because of his character. There are a lot of like sweet moments in the movie. Um, 
He, uh, and then the two drag queens are Guy Pierce and uh, Hugo Weaving. Nice. Hugo Weaving as a drag queen is one of my <laughs> favorite fun. things ever on screen. <laughs> they are so over the top with the costumes like a drag queen should be. And it's uh, phenomenal. I love the movie. In fact, uh, last night, Ashley and I, we, uh, she didn't even watch the movie with me, but I just showed her the final, like the big climactic uh, dance number they do, and she was laughing really hard with me. So it's, it is uh, an over-the-top movie. Great soundtrack. Really good like soundtrack of uh, 70s disco songs and whatnot. Nice. Yeah, it's a very lighthearted, it's a road movie, like a buddy movie. Um, I think Hugo Weaving is great in it, and uh, Terrence Stamp also really good in it. What was it nominated for? Or did you just watch it? Best costume design. Okay, and it won. Like it's one of those movies halfway oh, yeah. through. Halfway yeah. through, you're like, oh, this is this is the most obvious winner ever in this category. <laughs> nice. They spent so much on costumes for this movie. Fun, but I might, I might check that out. What's it streaming on? It is on <sighs> Stars, I think. Sweet. Um, but yeah, I reckon it's very lighthearted. I think, I think, you know, watch with a girlfriend or a wife. It's a, it's a fun movie. Um, there is one very uncomfortably racist, like, <laughs> element to it. I mean, it sounds like that's kind of a, is it not like built into the plot, you mean? The plot didn't need it, necessarily. Okay. I like yeah. my racism comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That is, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortable, comma, racist scene. Yes, I know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> it's very... It's cringy. There's a, one part of the movie that's cringy, and it's the... It's aged horribly. Yeah. Like, it probably... People probably thought it was funny in 94. Yeah, right. But, uh, but no, for the most part, the movie is very, very light and fun, and... I don't know. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that those are all the movies I've seen. I will uh, add that I finished the first season of The Good Wife. And uh, wrote a little, review up. Yeah, I wrote a little review of it for the website. I know that's not exactly timely. I'm like nine years late on the first season. <laughs> Eight years late on that. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And so you can go to the website and see what I thought about it. It's uh, I definitely recommend it. It's a... Uh, it's definitely a, like the kind of show you can binge, and feel good about binging too. Like it's yeah. it's a, it's like you it's a smart show without being exhaustingly smart. Yeah, it's it's I, I watched it maybe three years back, and I did it in big chunks. Um, where just if I was ever doing anything, there was TV nearby. It's like oh, I can just put the good wife on, um, and it is it is just an enjoyable. It's like chocolate milk of a show like you don't go out of your way to watch it but when you the, the times when you get it you're like I forgot about this yeah I forgot about this this is awesome <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm actually gonna put it down for a while cause I I like separating seasons of shows a good bit and like just that's yeah, fun and leaving it there for a while and coming back to it later so you know it's but it's a great you know it's a great single season so I definitely recommend it cool well, I'm going to jump in, because I've watched one thing, and I know Chris watched it too. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> not counting our reality roundup, which we'll do at the end, at the end of our <laughs> watch list, but uh, Chris and I went and saw The Quiet Place Yeah, last night, um, starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, directed by John Krasinski, and written with help from John Krasinski. Yeah. Um, a post-apocalyptic thriller, uh, and really well done. I thought it was a really good movie. 
Yeah. Is really good, really compelling, great, great design, production design all across the board. This is a a tech spec Marvel. Yeah. Um, and acting, I think Emily Blunt kind of steals the show. Um, John Kaczynski is great, but he's also just a foil for all the activity around. We make fun of face acting and hand acting and body acting, but Krasinski is a good face actor. With him not talking, <laughs> he was really good. Um, yeah. He, he does wide eyes really well. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, a, a quick plot synopsis. I don't want to get into too much. Chris or I will have a review up at some point soon. But um, uh, the trailers are badass, by the way. Tell you exactly what you need to know. For, it was a perfect trailer for that movie. I yes. Um, but it's essentially a world uh, where we've been invaded by some kind of creature. Yeah. Alien or otherwise. But some creature now rules Earth. And uh, they're blind. But they have hypersensitive hearing. And uh, anytime any noise of any kind is made, like a sneeze or a cough or even like a too loud of a footstep, they'll come running at, you know, it looked like, like 100 miles an hour yeah. to wherever the sound was and pretty much snatch up whatever made the sound yeah, and they're, away with it. They're built for shredding living things. Yeah. Um, really cool monsters, horrifying monsters, and uh, really good cast. The main uh, four, Krasinski, Emily Blunt, their oldest daughter is a deaf girl in the movie, uh, played by Millicent Simmons, who's also deaf in real life. Yeah. Um, read a really interesting interview with her that Kelly recommended to me about how she loved all the different sign language that was in the movie because they learned sign language for the movie, the other three actors. Yeah. The other kid is uh, Noah Jupe, whose first movie was Suburbicon. Mm. Um, it was recommended to Krasinski by Matt Damon. For this movie, but uh, she, the girl, talked about sign language a lot in the article I read. It was real sweet and interesting to hear her talk about. Yeah, I heard. <clears throat> I heard John since he talked about how he loved having Millie because he said more than anything he wanted uh, not the authenticity, but he wanted someone to kind of be the guide of like she's like a actress consultant. And yeah, she's fourteen. Yeah, yeah. He's like because not only is she a a deaf person in a hearing family, something that he had no experience with, but they're kind of a deaf, a deaf person in a hearing world where they don't have experience with like how to be quiet. And so it was like, yeah, serious. The, the alienation of that yeah. in that world, not being able to hear yourself. Yeah. Stephen King was really high on this. And I think, uh, he, <clears throat> he like tweeted about this and like has now buddies with John Krasinski, which John Krasinski is very excited about. Yeah. Because Stephen King is a Red Sox fan, and so is Krasinski. Um, but uh, people have pointed out that silence is the main character, and I think that is absolutely true. That the sound and the silence is so important to everything that happens. Yeah, it is, uh, and they play it up. Yeah, I mean, they do. They do a good job with it. It's can. Yeah, I was gonna. Can I ask how was the theater experience of that movie? Because I've heard that it's a, it is a, a movie where the crinkling of uh, popcorn bags and slurping of sodas really stands out in an annoying way. So I'm not easily offended by like laughter or really like comments in a movie theater. I'm just kind of used to it growing up in the shitty suburbs of Atlanta, but. uh it's hard for me to say, and it's going to be hard for Chris to say, because our theater was particularly bad. Yeah. We went on a Friday night at like 9. We went on Friday the 13th. 
And uh, for a movie that is so far, I think, you know, the top, like, three highest-grossing movies of the year. Yeah. Um, on its second opening weekend. The the average age, because it's PG-13, so the average age was probably 15, 16. Yeah. So there yeah. were a lot of kids that were trying to be funny or whatever. Yeah. Yelling out. There, there was a couple times where people yelled out a reference to The Office, um, which, you know. <laughs> Good one. It, yeah. Yeah. That's what I said after the movie. It was like, I don't really mind jokes in horror movies. Yeah, but they they need to be good, <laughs> but <laughs> good jokes. But as far as the theater experience with like the the rest of it, I mean, it's it like the the regular theater noise. I tuned it out pretty quickly. Yeah, um, it's uh, the, like the, the that that noise, the popcorn bags and stuff. You kind of you kind of lose that mm-hmm. in the shuffle because you're. It's not completely silent because there is a level of sound that is acceptable. Uh, and uh, there's still a score. So, okay. Uh, yeah, there's only like dead silence for maybe 20 minutes of the movie. Well, there's de- and there's dead silence mainly for Millie's character uh, because oh, she's nice. deaf. So whenever it's from her perspective, they suck all the sound out and they show her cool. experience. Yeah. And she's wearing a hearing aid, so sometimes they pick up like the like what the hearing aid is picking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really great sound design um, yeah. in, in that aspect and. You do kind of lose that. We had one idiot in the theater who thought it was like a fucking open mic night, but, you know, whatever. That'll happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you're probably best... I don't want anyone to wait to see it, because I really liked it, um, but you might be best waiting a couple weeks. Knowing your sound up in particular, day. Brent, uh, I would probably a movie I'd actually recommend you see twice. I would recommend seeing it in the theater and then checking it out again. I'm definitely going to watch that movie again when it comes out. Yeah. I want to I want a headphone watch that movie. Yeah, I do too. Um... This is what I picked up on. The detail that Krasinski put into a lot of the set design was really impressive. Yeah. Um, I, as soon as the movie came on, they were in a, they're in a grocery store in the first scene, and uh, all the bags of chips were still on the shelves. I'm like, ah, smart. I like. I just love shit like that in movies. Yeah. But talking back about the theater experience, but also the attention to detail, uh, when you mentioned that uh, after the, the showing last night, I was thinking, like, man, those monsters would have torn that theater apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was quite ironic watching that movie in that room. Like, fuck, I wish we were in this movie. All these people would fucking die. I'd still be alive. <laughs> TJ doesn't recommend theaters full of people dying. This is uh, all a joke. <laughs> in just, case you're listening. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just a note. Theaters uh, full of people dying is just a joke to us. <laughs> um, so, are... Uh, uh, Lots of characters in the movie very uncomfortable because they have to go through life without farting. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about. I mean, the the issues I have with that movie are plot points like that, and they just what? they come when you yeah. undertake something of this magnitude. Sure, yeah. Like, what about snoring? What about they're kids easy, having nightmares? Right, they're like, easy jokes to make, and you just right, yeah. You it's just, not really the point. It's, it's right. It's funny because it's sitting at ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So whenever there's something like that, I always like to see what the uh, bad reviews are. And there are some really proud of themselves critics who are really taking that, the no farting, the what about snoring, as like John Krasinski built a world that he immediately disobeys the rules of because what about these things? And it's like, yeah, yeah but you don't watch any other movie and go, why aren't they farting? Right. Why aren't they eating? Yeah. It's like, why don't they reload the bullets and die hard? Is die hard a bad movie? No, they just don't show right. the reloading because it's not important. <laughs> right. Everybody poops. Except God Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> that guy never got to poop. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend it for sure. It's a yeah. It's it's one of those movies where if I was 
trying to predict a Rotten Tomato score, I could see a 95, and I would recommend it to pretty much anybody. Um, somebody who's easily scared by supernatural horror movies, myself. Uh, it's not overly scary, it's just super intense. Yeah. Well, and if I was working for Metacritic, I would probably give it a score in the 60s. Something like that. Oh. Which is still good for Metacritic. Yeah. Anybody out there who doesn't understand. but Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm a big Krasinski fan too. It's just so hard to not like John Krasinski. For me, it's so hard to be a Krasinski fan because I like him in The Office, but... Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. He was, he was good in, in um, uh, not 310 to Yuma, what's it called? Uh, the, the, the Benghazi movie. 13 uh, Hours? 13 Hours. 13 Hours. Yeah, he's good in a bad movie there. Yeah, but, like, other than that, like, I really don't, like, I don't have, like, a, a thing that I can point to you. Like, I like John Krasinski as a director, as a writer, as a, you know, he designed the monsters in this, which is crazy. He um, wrote, is it Promised Land or Gasland? Promised Land. Yeah. The fracking movie. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, last podcast. Yeah. He's, he's definitely talented. And just like with interviews and stuff, he's just a, a delight. Yeah, he's he's a clever person. He's really quick-witted. He's, his press tour is one of my favorite of recent years. You guys know that I watch a lot of YouTube, a lot of like late-night stuff. Um, from He's just been fantastic on every show. Yeah. Um, which is rare. Yeah, definitely had some of that coming out with uh, how he doesn't like horror movies. Yep. And I think that, I didn't know how that was going to play into the making of this film, but there was definitely like, what would scare me the most? This. So let's do that. And it's, uh, there's one particular scene with pretty much the only other character you see that's not part of the family. It's particularly horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, go check out The Quiet Place. Um, it should be in theaters for a while now because it's cleaning up. Yeah. So, my and Chris's recommendation, I guess, is give it a week or two. Try to go on a weekday if you can, or yeah. a Sunday morning, or whatever, and go check it out. Yeah. The quieter the theater, the 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 more immersed you'll be. Yeah. The, the quieter the place you can watch this. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, you know, it's not. It's really nice to see a like. It's not like an indie movie, but like a movie that's not had like a, you know, hundred and fifty million dollar budget poured into it. That's just like doing awesome at the box office, yeah. and it's not a sequel, and it's not from like a pre-existing property that everybody knows. Yeah, it's just an original movie, and it's doing really well, it's, and that's awesome. It's get out, man. It's we've kind of taken a turn over the past eighteen months or so. That's it happening is, more and more. It is this year's get out in the commercial sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's probably not gonna have the Oscar run, but it could. You I never mean, know. So far, it's critically the same. So yeah. just. Depends. Yeah. I like this, like, prom date horror movie release cycle that, like... There have been good horror movies the past 18 months, man. Yeah. I'm not having a good one for a long time, I feel like. But I just mean, like, it seems like the trend is, like, well, get your horror movies out, like, February to April, and you will sell a ton of tickets, and, you know, quality be as it may. Because, I mean, we saw a trailer for Truth or Dare, and it's getting shit on, but it still looked like... I'll go see it. Yeah, I would go see it. Yeah. Maybe had Happy Death Day. Yeah, that was last fall, but yeah, same premise. But yeah, that 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 is all I watched worth talking about this week, Chris. Cool. I only watched two more movies. Um, the both they're both on Netflix. They're both released this year. Not necessarily Netflix originals, but they're out this year. Um, the first one I want to talk about is a movie called Amateur. Okay. Um, I'm always looking for a sports movie that makes sports interesting. 
Um, and this one seemed kind of neat. Go on. <laughs> it's about a 14-year-old kid who's kind of like a, like a YouTube highlight reel. Um, and kind of tracks his story uh, for uh, and how he gets recruited by um, like another high school who's actually good um, and can like use him, uh, you know, train him, like put him in uh, a situation where he's going to be scouted and then recruited for what but sport? Basketball. Sorry okay. for basketball. Um, and it's. I wanted, I, I really wanted to like it, but <laughs> it's, um, it's got a, it's, it's got our, our friend from The Good Wife, uh, Will Gardner in it, uh, Josh Charles, mm-hmm. but Josh Charles is him, right? Yes. Yes. He's Will Gardner. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's a couple of things I want to point out in it, the things that were kind of troubling. Um, so it's, it's this 14 year old kid, Tehran, um, his dad is a sufferer of CTE. Um, and other traumatic brain injuries and has kind of side effects from that where like he'll forget to pick him up, but like everyone's kind of okay with it because like this just kind of happens. He has lapses in memory, but his big drive, the dad's big drive is for Tehran, the kid to make it to like go pro, um, and like make a bunch of money while he's still in good shape, Mm -hmm. which is strange. Um, another detail is Tehran has uh, dyscalculia. I don't know if that's what you really call it, but he, he just doesn't understand numbers. He can't read numbers. And so as a basketball player, that affects like um, not in his original high school, which sucks, which is 0-6 when we're introduced to him, because they don't have a shot clock. But they do have a game clock. So as mm. the game clock is winding down for like the game-winning shot in a close game or a contested game or a tied game, you know, he kind of counts down the remaining seconds of the, the the half, and then he takes a shot, whatever. But then, like, it starts to affect him more uh, when he moves to the big school, because the big school has promised him, Josh Charles has promised that they'll have, like, special educators who can work with people like him. They have alternative education plans, which I do know is a real thing. Um, but as soon as he gets to this school, everyone seems to forget that this was ever promised to him, that they would help him work through his dyscalculia. Like, nobody gives a shit. Like, his mom, like, doesn't, like, stops caring. That's her number one thing about him moving to this good basketball school, good basketball high school. And just, like, no one gives a shit anymore. It still plays a part in the plot, but no one cares. Like, in a, no one cares, like, it's a plot hole in the movie that they stop caring? Or yes, it's a plot hole in the movie that they stop caring. Oh, okay. So it's not, like, part of the story that everybody stopped oh, caring. that's what I thought. Like, it was, like... Now he's good to basketball school. Fuck his well-being. No, no, okay. no. Like they just stop they just make it. a big deal about it before, and then they just ignore it. Right. Oh, okay. that sucks. Yeah, that's annoying. And then the, the last thing, and what really troubles me, and I'm going to spoil the movie. Uh, watch it if you want. You kind of expect it to go this, but there's kind of a twist at the end. Um, so you find out that what got Tehran recruited by this good high school was. His dad, the you know TBI sufferer, was paid money by Josh Charles's character to come play, which means he is no longer an amateur, and so he can no longer play high school basketball. So now he can't play high school basketball. They don't think he's going to get recruited by any colleges, uh, like whatever. And so he decides to go pro and announces his professional status. And so in the last like. 
15 minutes of the movie, it is a criticism of the uh, unpaid college and amateur athlete uh, argument. So it just doesn't know where it's going. Does not know where it's going. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really hard because it's like, you know, I, I was really looking forward to it from the sense that I was... You know, I wasn't led to believe anything. This is not a movie anyone's talking about. Right. But, but from like seeing it and reading the description, I thought it was going to be kind of the story and the big-headedness of a like YouTube star athlete. Like You see highlight reels of like 11-year-old child phenom basketball player uh-huh. has already been scouted by the Lakers and like shit like that. Right. Like, oh, that was the story it was going to tell. And then it just kept changing its mind like every 20 minutes. Um, but, so, it's not great. Um, and it's not the uh, near sports movie that I wanted it to be, but maybe that's my fault. Um, but I did not really enjoy it. Okay. Noted. Because that is definitely a movie I would click on if I was scrolling around Netflix late one night. It's got a great cover, too. It's uh, it's like it's like the kid with the, with the basketball, and it's like black and white. Um, and it's it, he like turns into a barcode. Like on the cover of it, you should look at it. Like it's it's neat art design for the mm-hmm. for the poster. Um, I've never heard. of this. Is it like a Netflix original or is it? I don't think so. Did think you see it on Netflix? I or? did see it on maybe Netflix. a movie that couldn't find distribution. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other movie, uh, I liked less but rated higher uh, because <laughs> I thought it was more interesting. Uh, it's a movie called The Titan. Okay. It is uh, uh, Mr. Charisma, Sam Worthington. <laughs> uh, so he's, so this is near future. Earth's population has ballooned to 12 billion. There's no longer sustainable resources. Uh, we need to explore other planets. Uh, one of uh, Saturn's moons, uh, Titan, has water on it, but the atmosphere is unbearable. And so if that, you know, we need to, you know, strike out into space... And so this time, instead of terraforming or sending the crew or whatever, they decide that they're going to genetically engineer humans so they're more suitable for the atmosphere and living conditions of Titan. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's all about this group of like 15 to 20 uh, scientists, researchers, soldiers undergoing the gene therapy and the genetic modification. Um, And... Yeah, so it's them slowly turning into fish people. And it is strange. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, the first hour is really entertaining and really good because it's all, you know, like, backdoor science. And, you know, they have, you know, NATO authorization to do this, but this guy who's running it is kind of, uh, like, like, cutting corners because he wants to be, you know, he's already named them Homo Titanians as, like, the next species of human being. We're going to go live on Titan. Um, but it, it really fully goes there. And hmm. it, it like shows uh, Sam Worthington and um, uh, Emmanuel... I forget her name. She plays Missandei on Game of Thrones. Uh, okay. But they're, they're like the two science experiments that, that succeed. Everyone else dies throughout. Not in interesting ways. Mostly just like by seizing or you know dying on the operating table in really dumb ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they turn into blue, scaly, amphibian people with wings, and they don't talk anymore, but they have these tentacles that come out of their fingers that can turn into swords, which is not a direction I thought it would go. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> That's what you need for Wait, Saturn, they, apparently. Do they have finger like swords. five swords on each hand? Or is it just like one? It's two. And it, so they have... So like, you know, do like West Side Gang Sign. Somehow there are two middle fingers. That's Vulcan. Oh. There are two middle fung- fingers fused together. And the, the tentacles come out in the webbing between their yeah. index and that okay. mass. And their pinky and... All right. um, but yeah, it's 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 really goofy. Um, it it ends with Sam Worthington flying around, like actually flying around because he's like he looks like he has a squirrel suit because he's developed these wings. Um, it's just it's just fucking strange. Weird. It's I'm, just I'm kind so, of interesting. Yeah, it's also just so. Like Avatar, <laughs> yes, yeah. several respects beyond Sam Worthington uh, having blue scales, yeah, and tentacles, I guess, and like yeah, uh, appendages you can do things <laughs> with, and yeah, yeah, it's so, really strange. Yeah, so it's Sam Worthington, uh, uh, Taylor Schilling. Oh yeah, she's a star of Orange Is the New Black. Yeah. Uh, Tom Wilkinson, who's that, uh, you know, yeah. old guy secretly writing things into the ground in every conspiracy movie. <laughs> um, and then Natalie Emanuel. That's it, yeah. Um, directed by a guy who really hasn't done a whole lot, Lenart Ruff. Um, he's done another um, seemingly ridiculous movie called Nocebo, like placebo. <laughs> Man, I just realized oh. Tom Wilkinson's got... God, it's annoying. I just realized <laughs> Tom Wilkinson's got one of those... Uh, Movie character types I'll never forget the entire name of, like Shane Falco, but it's his character in the Batman trilogy, it's Carmine Falcone. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget Carmine Falcone. <laughs> Just too good of a name. Um, and someone else is in it. Someone from The Quiet Place. Noah Jupe. Oh, nice. He plays a um, baby, baby Worth- fish monster. Worthington's son. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I would not recommend seeing that or Amateur <laughs> for wildly different reasons. Right, right, right. Um, uh, yeah, Amateur didn't know what it was doing. Uh, the Titan absolutely knew what it was doing. It was just the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just just a strange movie. Hmm. But that's no. all I watched. That's all I did. Um, we knew we got a little deeper in True Blood, but not much. I don't have a ridiculous run-on sentence to explain what's going on right now. Reality Roundup. Yep. Coming up. And uh, we've reached the merge. Yes. I'm Survivor. And it was the uh, best episode of the season so far. I think so. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, no surprise, really. Right. It was... Uh, so it came down to the... It, I don't know. It, it felt like a good resolution to what had been building. The big story of the first half of the season, which was the, the Dom... Chris, I feel like the good guys won. War. I'm not. I'm not, not, not that I love Dom, but no, definitely like Dom better than Chris. I like Dom better than Chris too. I feel like Dom just his problem is first impressions, and he came out trying to play way too hard in the first like he came across early on as like Uber Brooklyn too. Yeah, like like a schemer. Like mm-hmm. a, I'm a New York guy. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, then it, yeah, that that fell off quickly. Yeah, he. uh but he is aligned with Wendell, who is my favorite castaway this season. I like so. Wendell a lot. Um, I like Laurel a lot. She, she's my she, she's my number one. Yeah, yeah I like Laurel too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really strange kind of 
move by Chris that Wendell tried to broker peace between Dom and Chris, and Chris just like fucking threw it in their faces that they even tried. Yeah, and then like, took literally the entire tribe. Yeah, eleven off, except for two ten, of them. Ten We're like other people. Here's what's got to happen, guys. <laughs> it's like you think this has never happened before, but just like you're a genius. Yeah. Like, well, they just get everybody and tell them how to vote. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if that little field trip is part of the reason the tribe flipped on Chris. Yeah, like it's it's uh what's the word? Well, they, I mean, also it's like senile. Yeah. It was just like a really dumb move. Well, you're also to the point too where uh, there were uh, this is already the stage where people like Chris uh, physical threats start to be targeted. Yeah, people who can dominate challenges like he has proven he can do. Right, and then. You also add to him turning into, you know, like a what seems to be like a megalomaniac on the island, which is just like, I'm in charge of everything. Yeah. And if you're listening to this part of the podcast and don't watch the show, he had an immunity idol, which could guarantee safety till the next week. And right. Only and he could play. only play it this week, where he went home, or the next week. And this week, he obviously knew he was on the chopping block. Yes, it was very loudly. Like, one person voting for him... Loudly announced that they were waiting <laughs> for him. Right. So it is the this is the time to play your idol has never been more loudly telegraphed. Yeah. And he held an idol that didn't get played. It went home in somebody's pocket. Yeah. Like he knew that was a thing. He took the idol. And he was like, "It's not going home in my pocket." It, it instantly goes home in his. <laughs> it pocket. Instantly goes home in his pocket. It's the thing that that, that like that, that typifies. I think. To me, why Chris went home when he did was he started a feud with somebody who was willing to play the game, and he clearly wasn't. He was, I, I think, the second person in a row to be voted out because they're an inconvenient person to have around camp because he yeah. rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. And I think almost the tertiary reasons because he's a physical threat. Um, the, 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 the second thing for me is the big thing. And I remember back to the conversation he and Donathan had Right when the third the third tribe swap happened, or I guess the second tribe swap, he's talking to Donathan, and Donathan's like getting homesick because they they have got coffee, and you know his his grandma always makes coffee and biscuits or whatever. And Donathan, his full time job is he lives at home with his sick grandmother and his sick mother, and he takes care of them full time one hundred percent. And Chris, instead of listening to Donathan, just went, "Oh yeah, I put my mom in a home too. It's really hard." It's like. <laughs> That asshole was just looking for opportunities to talk about himself to other people. Yeah. To be like, look, I relate to you. This is me. And apparently on a, an interview that came out after the show aired, he said, uh, like, they were like, why did you play the idol? And he was just like, I had to trust that those 11 people were going to do what we decided. And it's like, I don't... But you didn't, though. Yeah. You didn't like, have to. <laughs> I mean, unless they left it out. I don't... Uh, everybody that... When he was like, we gotta get Dom out, right? Everybody was just like... Uh. <laughs> he was like, sweet, later. <laughs> it's like, I don't think anybody was like, yeah, I got you, man. No 100%. one disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one said no. Like, no no one likes being told on Survivor what to do. Right. Both from a game perspective and personality perspective. Especially about somebody who's annoying. Yeah, because from a game perspective, <laughs> then you get that argument, if you are down to the final three, that you were carried. Mm-hmm. Which is never... The person who's going to win is someone who is carried. Right. And from personality, it's just like it's a dickhead move to do. You're like, all right, so everyone's on the same page. We're going to do exactly what is only beneficial to me right now. Yeah. It's like, fuck no. Like, and come while, on. While I don't think people like Dom very much on the show, I do feel like a lot of people there like Wendell. Yeah. yeah. And 
I think that was part of it. I yeah. think that's that was a big part of it, which was Chris drawing a line in the sand is like these two got to go, right. and Dealer's like, eh, Dom, we can see it. I don't think I don't think the the group is eager to keep Dom around for the long haul, but I think that I, I don't know. It's it's just strange, like to not invite Wendell on the little little walkabout. Just to invite everybody else and to leave the two of them sitting back there. It was yeah. just the, the, <laughs> the camera went to the two of them and they were just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm going to make a prediction and I want you guys to make one also. Because the meta has now changed. It has been Chris versus Dom. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was, before that and during it, it was like Malolo sucks. So now we have to have a new narrative, new direction of the show. And I think it's going to be Wendell, Dom, Laurel, and Donathan versus the awesome girl squad that we almost had insurrection with last week of, uh, not Kellen, uh, Angela, Jenna, Desiree, and Chelsea. Is and Desiree the, the, she's the African-American with short hair? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, so I think those are going to be the two main alliances and the rest are going to swing and we're going to get rid of Libby and, uh, uh, 18 year old kid. Michael. Michael. Yeah. My prediction. And Kellen is whatever. My prediction for the next few weeks is, uh, girls attacking girls. Really? Yeah. You think they're going to push out Libby? I think they're going to push out some of those girls. They're going to, they're going to. The, they're they're not seeing out. I don't think. Yeah. I, think I still think Michael. I think Michael survived so much that he's kind of just on the back burner now, and I yes. think he's playing it really well. Where he's just like, I'm Stay not going to say quiet. shit. Yeah, yeah. Michael is a. I am. He's super intelligent for an 18 year old kid. I'm yeah. impressed with his game right now. Yeah, yeah. Very impressed. Um, he's really good at tribal, which is crazy for an 18 year old to not be like impetuous and yeah. like knee jerk about every comment and reaction. He's very smart. Mm-hmm. He's he's up there with Wendell and just people I, I like watching them play. I think Libby's good too. Yeah. Do but. you guys want to talk about your your favorite? We can talk about the, how you think the meta game is going to be. But do you want to talk about your favorite uh, voting uh, in camera? Yeah, my favorite survivor vote ever happened last week, and it was it was Dom for me yelling out Chris Noble's name at top <laughs> volume and making the entire camp laugh and Probst giggle. <laughs> Because I mean, I don't think it's ever been done before. Not since I've watched it. I'm sure something similar has happened. There's been there's been yelling at the booth. There's been like anger in the booth that but like people you, you see they cut they cut back and you see people reacting like, holy shit, this person's angry. This person's <laughs> mad. But I don't think it's it ever was, been. Don did it comically. Though. It was like, so funny because it was so dry. It was just Chris Nobles real loud. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's all he said. <laughs> Folded it up, but Brent. The, the vote after that, I think Brent liked even better. Yeah, I liked the uh, I liked the Wendell Wendell's vote for Chris because it was it, per, it was perfect comic timing with the folding and then unfolding and going back to say more over and over and over again. It was so funny and I loved it. Yeah, if you don't watch Survivor uh, and you don't know uh, another irritating thing about Chris from Survivor is that he fancies himself a rapper, a freestyle rapper. And he is awful. All he does is compare himself to, to basketball Dwayne, to players. To Dwayne Wade. <laughs> yeah. Not even like the best basketball player. Right. He just really likes Dwayne Wade. 
So, so Wendell loading him out was just like he wrote down Chris the rapper and kept folding it, unfolding it, and be like, "You're not a rapper. Stop rapping." And he'd fold it and be like, "You don't got bars, bro. Cut it out." Yeah. I love that it said Chris the rapper. Chris the rapper. <laughs> Such a. I still love the little things you get from Donathan too. There was so last week when his team lost the immunity challenge. They're all jumping off the dock to swim back to shore. And if you pause it at the right time, Donovan's just got this big happy grin just from jumping off the dock. His team just lost. And then uh, this week, he went to get the pin for like the third time. And he was just like, couldn't open it. Because he was trying to pull the like writing part off. <laughs> God damn it, Donovan. Come on, buddy. Yeah, John, uh, Donovan, uh, just a fast pass to the final three, I think. Everybody wants to be... He's so sweet, dude. Everybody... That's the one... Actually, it might be a bit of a danger with him. Yeah. So, there might if be... If he goes with two other people that are, like, divisive, it's possible. Especially if he sort of has the storyline of... I feel like winners... Winners have to have a storyline. They've they got to have a survivor story. And his story could be, like, like coming into his own, sort mm-hmm. of. If he wins an immunity or two... That he becomes a threat. You gotta get him out. Yeah, you gotta get him out if he wins immunity. What immunity would he win? Some teeth. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kellen's got him beat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he could win something sure. that's that's like like a balancing thing, or just like he lost just that. Stand in the circle. That's true. I guess last immunity. Oh, the eating challenges are coming up. I mean, you don't know who's gonna. Oh yeah, I've never seen one. Oh yeah, you're. Yeah, you should be uh, I haven't done one in four years. Cassandra was like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can watch that. They they had to stop doing it because people were coming so ready for it, and so they haven't done it. I don't think they've done an eating challenge in like ten years. It's it's interesting to me because you're so hungry. Yeah, like it's you're getting free calories. Yeah, sheep sheep's eyeballs are probably full of protein. I would eat whatever the hell they put in front of me. I mean, it's, it's calories. Back in Borneo, it was the worst when it was like uh, almost fully formed bird embryos. Ugh. And so they were like, they could, they could taste beaks. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was pretty I rough. still, I mean, I wouldn't like it, but yeah. you got to look at it like, it gave me like 600 calories. I'm, I'm used to it on the challenge. That's always a big part of the finals is you have to eat something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, there are people who are just like monsters. And I saw that on my number one's face in the, in the, like the next time on, it showed Laurel just like, just like hammering down eyeballs. And I was like, yeah, she's, she's going to go far. Yeah, it's a good segue. Is there anything on challenge? Have you watched any of the reunion stuff? I mean, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> we, we timestamp that for six seconds. <laughs> no, we talked about it last week about how I was gonna gonna boycott the uh, reunion and just find out who won later. Yeah, um, are they announced yet? It's next week, right? It's next week. They did the thing where at the 59th minute they're like, "And the winner is you're gonna have to wait." And it's like, eat shit, Miz. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, it's it, basically this the first hour of the reunion was just slut shaming, which I really kind of hate that they do on the show, um, where they just like bring out like here are all the hookups you didn't see, and then like people talking about like oh you had a boyfriend at home like, why'd you do it? It's like I just don't give a shit. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's cool. I, th- I like the storylines that it can create that so and so hooked up with so and so. So they have like you know a grudge against them or have a grudge against their new partner, but like other than that, like it's it's not it's not for me to comment. You put like you put twenty five attractive people in a house, and actually it was Nicole Z who caught a lot of the slut shaming stuff. Yeah, because um, uh, she had apparently had been hooking up with Jemmy and 
so that was like four girls in the house that she hooked up with this season and she was like her she was like you put me in a house with beautiful women like I don't know what to say like we've got nothing to do no cell phone no TV no internet all we do is we hang out with each other and we drink a little bit yeah it's like that makes total sense Nicole like that should be <laughs> mic drop argument over let's stop talking about like crazy hookup stories <laughs> yeah yeah, we're waiting until next week to find out who won. Damn it. Bu- 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 breezy? Breezy on the streets. This week's news, Breezy on the streets. Uh, not a ton. We have something fairly exciting for, for us anyway, because we were fans of part one. But it part two has got a little bit of casting news. Uh, long rumored and pretty much confirmed forever. Mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain will be playing... Uh, the Pennywise, the dancing Beth. clown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarsgaard is officially back, though, for, for Pennywise, who's great. I don't know why they would change that. Yeah. And then uh, the two kind of surprise news is Bill Hader has been cast as Richie. As Richie. Yeah. And uh, James McAvoy. These are both very heavily weighted rumors. Yeah. Um, James McAvoy is Bill, the lead, I guess, if there is one. Yeah. You, um, you certainly see the story from his eyes in the movie, at least. Yeah. Like he's the... If there is a protagonist, it's him. Yeah. Right. If you have and him and Bev, they're yeah. In the movie, it seemed like it was kind of split. They're the ones you get like deep into their backstories and their right. home life. Um, but yeah, how do y'all feel about test names? We haven't really talked about it a lot. We're kind of waiting for the whole thing to roll out, and then McAvoy and Hater. What do y'all think? I think test names fun. I think it's. I think a lot of people focus on it because of the look. I think that's why a lot of people went straight to her as, as thinking that she would. And I mean, her relationship with the director is. She's been in everything he's made except for it. So. Um, yeah, I think she'll be. I think she'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I like Bill Hader as Grown Up Richie. I like that a lot. Yeah. I wanted them to go like Seth Rogen, but not Seth Rogen. Right. Like that that comic actor who's got chops, and uh, I think Bill Hader does. Yeah. After after watching, I've been watching Barry. I'm not talking about it because it's you know ongoing. Right. Uh, he's really great in Barry, and I think it's going to be like a similar role where it's like a super serious backdrop and like motivation for the character, which will be you know Pennywise, but then like still pretty funny and comic relief. Uh, yeah. which obviously Hater can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's great in Skeleton Twins. He's great in Trainwreck. He's 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 good. Yeah, he's sol- solid actor. He was great in Punked. I just found out that that's where he got his start. Nice. <laughs> and uh, McAvoy as the the lead ish character. It's interesting. I like McAvoy. I do He's too. A g- good actor. He picks some weird movies every once in a while, but he was actually one of my top ten performances last year. Oh yeah, I think there was a an argument that he should have been nominated for yeah. an Oscar for Split. For he Split, yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, movie. he yeah. I mean, I think he just picks roles that are interesting to him, and they may not be good roles for him, and they may not be, uh, you know, commercially successful roles are you know critically receptive or received well but he's just like obviously he didn't take the movie filth because he thought that like it was a great movie he think he just had a fucking blast making it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he was in I mean, another movie I loved from last year it didn't make my top 10 but uh the Charlize Theron spy movie so good, uh, uh, Atomic Blonde yes yeah. Atomic Blonde McAvoy's great in that yeah so my question would be, so who else is left in the main cast to, to, to cast? You got Mike. Mike is the... African-American he, kid. Oh. 
Do you, do you want to know who they want? Who the kids want? I think I've, I've read this. Because Mike wants Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I think Chadwick Boseman might be a little bit busy. Yeah, and young. I was yeah. gonna I was gonna suggest uh, Lakeith Stanfield. He's also Lakeith's a little young, but you know. I mean he, he's also an incredibly dynamic, engaging actor. Right. Who could slot in in any role I think so, you put him in. And I don't know what they're doing because in the Lakeith Stanfield would be a good pick if they go the way I think they're gonna go. So in the book uh My Bill is James McAvoy. Ben is the chubby kid. He's, um, Ben is the historian in the movie. In the book, it's Mike. Um, and Mike is the only one who stays behind. He's the one who doesn't forget because he stays in Derry and calls all the kids back. Mm. So I don't know if that's going to be the case in the movie or not because they've kind of split up the Mike duties a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mike Uh, is definitely like the fourth character in the book after Ben, Bill, and Bev. Um, so, Lakeith Stanfield could be cool if they go this, like, crazy, he stayed in Derry way. I mean, I love Stanfield. Idris Elba has said that he wants to play uh, Grant Mike. I'd be fine with that. He's a little old, but it'd be fun. He looks, yeah. he can pull off young. Yeah. What about Ben? Who was a very big, um, very big character in the movie, among the kids. I don't know, Ben can really be played by anybody, because he, he grows up to be like a heartthrob. Yeah. In, in the book, anyway. He's a stud. He's a like a famous architect. Um, uh, ben has chosen Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah, It'll be fine again. Yeah, he's a handsome dude. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I don't know how like star studded I want this to be right. necessarily. Right. And then Stanley. No, uh, Stanley's yeah. So the sickly kid. Yeah, yeah. He's the the Jewish kid. Oh. No, no, so not the sickly kid. No, the sickly kid is... Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Stanley. No, who's the... What's his name? <laughs> oh, sorry. They're just asking again. I can't remember his name. I don't know. Kid whose mom is... Yeah. Yeah, the kid whose mom is overbearing. I don't know. It's not actually on this list. Weird. Loser's club. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a... Like, yeah, you could go a different direction. Like these aren't as I guess. Yeah, I'm not not super worried about the casting as much mm-hmm. as long as they get. I don't care if they look, you know, the same. I can break my reality enough to mm-hmm. believe whatever they tell me to. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about a killer about clown a from outer force. space. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, they should remake Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> Is there any other news you guys want to talk about? I think there's a ton going on right now. Well, then, I guess that means we'll talk about uh, what movies are coming out. Yeah, I've got some some plots pulled up here. I was going to do that before the podcast. That's why I was typing, if you heard. Um, So coming out this week, you get uh, I Feel Pretty. It's an American comedy. Uh, Amy Schumer movie. Michelle Williams. Emily Rodajkowski. Oh, I saw the I saw the trailer for this. It looks awful. Mm. Yeah, uh, an ordinary woman who struggles with feelings of insecurity and inadequacy on a daily basis wakes up from a fall, believing she is the most beautiful and capable woman in the world. So, it's like Amy Schumer just like 
She like be shaming herself. Uh, well, I think the story is yeah, she falls and hits herself on the head, and then without changing her appearance at all, thinks she's like the perfect woman. It's that's the plot to a really terrible sitcom called Drop Dead Diva. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's where a supermodel winds up in the body of a obese woman. Right. It's terrible. Uh, you got the movie Traffic with a with a K at the end. Yeah. Starring uh, Paula Patton and Omar Epps. It's about a journalist and her boyfriend travel from a. Uh, the coast to the mountains for a romantic weekend at a gas station along the way. They're accosted by a group of men. Um, continue on to their rental home unaware that they have been followed, pretty much. So. Paula Patton and Omar Epps. Not the duo to open a movie with these days. Since that is... Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one. It's probably not going to be a big blockbuster. Ooh, 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 but it's got William Fichtner in it. He's the bad guy. Good <laughs> <laughs> talk that before. What? <laughs> Uh, his, his character spo- name is spoilers. <laughs> his character name is Mr. Wayne. Of course, he's the bad guy. Yeah, uh, you're burying the lead here, TJ. Yeah, you got the, the maybe the most awaited sequel in a long, long time. Super Troopers two is coming out. <laughs> yeah, this weekend. Also, uh, you know your normal April <laughs> releases where movies get buried. Um, Super Troopers two promises to be the Zoolander two of this year. <laughs> I'm actually gonna I'm, if I'm picking one of those to go see I'm gonna go see I Feel Pretty I don't know I was shocked by Trainwreck so maybe is that it? that's all that's there's, there's a movie called Dolphins coming out <laughs> I'll go see that <laughs> it's, a, it's a documentary it's a, ooh, it's a Disney documentary nope that's not playing anywhere <laughs> stop, stop I'll go to Epcot <laughs> to avoid these other things uh, like David now trying to, well there's a limited release in New York for this Documentary about Fender guitars. Look, I'm on Just Watch. It has four movies listed: the three that you mentioned, and then Dolphins. <laughs> so, <laughs> we have to pick from that. I don't know. I, I would pick Traffic. I like uh, yeah, Amy Schumer comedies, but uh, I don't know. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go see. I feel pretty. Schumer, Michelle Williams, Emily Ratajkowski, Rory Scovel, Aidy Bryant, Busy Phillips, Tom Hopper, Naomi Campbell. Go check that out. Why not? There's an animal. Uh, never mind. I'll, we can talk about it next week. There's an animatronic. Oh, <laughs> there's an animatronic creature. There's an animal, an animal crackers movie coming out, opening against Avengers. <laughs> what are the odds on that? It's like Leicester City <laughs> with the animal crackers out being <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> John Krasinski's in it, and Emily Blunt. Oh, weird. <laughs> well, that'll be a fun cast list question. Down the road. Well, it released... Anyway. <laughs> I Feel Pretty is based off the 1945 film, The Enchanted Cottage. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, Brent, what are, you, what are you picking? Super Troopers 2, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, we're all split then. And we're all very upset we had to make that decision. Uh, all right. Next week will be easy, guys. Don't worry. Yep. Animal Crackers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, that movie came out in 2017, but is getting a theatrical release in 2018. First show, it has eight movies with limited releases and Avengers Infinity War <laughs> next week. That That's our choice. Yeah. It's a very easy pick. Because movie, movie studios <laughs> aren't dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why Avengers moves to that date. <laughs> Partially so they didn't have to open up against Solo. Right. And split the audience. Uh, Alright, well I guess that wraps it up It does Thanks for uh, listening um, Next podcast I guess will be uh, If you 
if you dodged one, our homework is seven. We'll be talking about seven, and uh, we're going to try to put it in the Talk of Fame, I think. So that'll be fun. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We're going to see if it is eligible. Yes, for yeah. the Talk of Fame. Uh, so yeah, check out Seven again if it's been too long. It's streaming on Netflix. Uh, but this is Talking Talk, podcast for the TheMediaBias.com. Uh, make sure you check us out on Facebook, TV by us, Movies by us, Games by us, and our Facebook page, The Media by us. Swing by and like that. Review and rate our podcast on iTunes or whatever podcatching app you use. And uh, visit us online at TheMediaBias.com. You can reach us at TheMediaBias at gmail.com if you have any comments or suggestions or recommendations for the podcast and uh also on twitter at the media by us and uh, i want to thank our intro and outro musicians intro music as always the willow walkers thank you and outro music as always boo uh thank you everybody have a good time thanks bye